We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 133 of the pod. He's Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso. Unfortunately, neither of us are here at Cole. No, we don't have $324 million guaranteed coming our way. Backing up the Brinks truck, the Yankees once again landing the biggest fish in the pond. As you said, 324 over nine seasons. Cole with an opt-out after five. So if that uh, contract is front-loaded, as I assume it would be, he's getting most of that money early on in that contract. So God bless you and your golden right arm. Matt, uh, leading things off here with a bit of baseball. The, the Yanks were already odds-on favorite to win the World Series, as they have been I mm-hmm. think, the last two seasons. You add Garrett Cole to the fold. In your eyes, is this the missing piece? Uh, I mean, I would have to say so. He went in the playoffs last year. I think they had the best lineup. I'm not sure there was a doubt about it. They just didn't really have that front-of-the-line ace. They had some depth in the in the rotation, but they didn't really have the, the dude they can throw out there. On a on a given night and be that mm-hmm. you know number one he's going to go out and he's going to get me two wins in a series type of guy uh, and now they have it um, granted it's going to make for some interesting decisions in the next couple of years I want to say Judge and Torres both need to get paid within the next two to three so if they don't win that World Series though you know in the next two to three they're gonna they're gonna be in some real trouble financially because even the Yankees can't afford you know the luxury tax they'd be going over there yeah I. I think that missing piece might be a last year. It seemed like missing uh, come October. I know there were a couple of big games, a couple of explosive games, but in that Astros series, it wasn't pitching that uh, hindered them. You know, you had a couple, you had a shutout in game one, I believe it was, and then a one run performance by your mm-hmm. starter in game two, and you come out of there one one. So I, I know Garrett Cole gives you a lot more he is a sign him up game one starter for any series anything bring him in game seven uh, you know he's he's got all of the intangible that you look for in big name free agent big fish landing he, he's sub 30 i believe i looked at it he's six days older than me um still not 30 years old so hey you're still doing a lot of- with your life joe <laughs> this Seriously, is a type good of contract you. thank you this is the type of contract that I think makes sense from the timing standpoint. Sometimes you see these ten-year contracts, a la Albert Pujols, that it, it feels late. You know, it feels like the, you jumped the shark a little bit, and and it was a contract that should have happened maybe three years prior. This contract mm-hmm. seems on time, if nothing else, for Garrett Cole. Now, do we see him pitch in year seven, eight, and nine of that contract? I doubt it. Probably more of a CC Sabathia thing. But uh, you know, you lock him up for the foreseeable future, and. He was the most dominant pitcher in baseball last year. Oh, by far. I know, I know he didn't win the AL Cy Young, but 300-plus strikeouts um, and a sub-2-6 ERA, first time anyone's ever done that in history, led the league in strikeouts, led the league in ERA, and that's, you know, I, I know those are older metrics by the uh, analytics age uh, measurement of things, but still, measure him however you like. Most dominant pitcher in baseball, you add him to an amazing lineup. Going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, uh, I'm still, and I've said it a couple times on here, I'm worried about, you know, the pitcher who has his career years in Houston because we've seen some pitchers go there and have their, you know, best seasons and either before that not be that great, after that not be that great either. So I am interested to see him going from pitching in, you know, a climate-controlled, you know, Texas environment where I don't, I'm not saying they're doing anything over there, but, you know, spin rates seem to go off the charts when they're, when they're, when, uh, excuse me, when pitchers start throwing there. Um, but there's no doubt about what he did last year, and he, he's worth that money at least given what he did the last couple of years. But the, the Yankees are going to have a couple diff- difficult decisions coming up here. They have they basically built, you know, their philosophy was our rotation's not great, our bullpen's going to mm-hmm. be elite. Well, now they're going to have to start making some sacrifices in that bullpen. You got Zach Britton making 13, uh, Adam Adovino, I think, is making nine. So it, it'll be interesting to see what. Who gets sacrificed there? Because maybe for this year they can afford all of this, but at some point they're going to have to start shedding some of that excess, you know, luxury tax. It's almost like when the NFL team goes out and signs, you know, the, the big time quarterback. Well, if eventually you're going to have to start sacrificing money elsewhere. 
Yeah. I, uh, you know, I posed that question to uh, first day on air, uh, humble brag yesterday uh, at CBS Sports HQ. Can I ask a question about that, by the way? Yeah, Is, are, you, are you on the CBS Sports Network channel or are you strictly digital? We're strictly digital okay. right now. I kind of thought um, so because I knew, like, I, I follow the Twitter account. I know the app, all that type of stuff. I didn't know if you yeah. had a little bit of both going on. So, no, that's... Uh, so, I don't get to see your beautiful mug on TV yet. Uh, I mean, if you have Apple TV, Roku... Well, not like cable. Click it. We're on there 24 hours a day, you dinosaur. I'm still... Um, I work for a cable company. I know. And no one watches gotta support, it. Gotta I, I still watch it. There's <laughs> I a reason the TV too. still sells, Joe. I still watch it, too. I'm giving you a hard time. But, yes, it's uh, cbssports.com slash live and on the app. Um, that's... 24 hours a day so we do a couple shows they re-rack um it's good stuff but i was getting off of that i i was getting to the point where you know we had jim bowden on yesterday from winter meetings a former front office guy mlb mm-hmm. analyst and i posed the question of you know not the easiest place to pitch yankee stadium you know ball kind of flies there no matter the season short porch and right That's a hitter's park no is that gonna be something that affects garrett cole's numbers and he said you know he doesn't think so because garrett cole he's not your typical ace you know your typical ace you know, if he's working on a no-hitter, you don't want anyone talking to him. He's head down, leave him alone, end of the bench, own little corner in the clubhouse. He said Garrett Cole actively seeks out talking to his players. He's talking to hitting coaches. He's trying to get as much information as he can. When you called him a dude earlier, that's the same thing Jim Jim said. Mm-hmm. He's the ultimate dude. He really just wants to go out there and play baseball, wants to talk to his buddies and get the job done. Um, he's not your he's not your mentally fragile pitcher. Now, does that figure into the ballpark? In yeah, that's kind of what way, I was going to say. Does it? Maybe, but doesn't matter where you're at, ball jumps at Yankee Stadium. So I, I definitely put some credence into what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah don't get me wrong. He's got – I love his attitude. I like, like like you were saying, that's kind of been his reputation. He doesn't seem like, like your typical like ace who doesn't want to be talked to, all that stuff. He's a great guy in the clubhouse. But at the end of the day, that doesn't change the fact that, you know, a fly ball to deep right in, at Minute Maid Park is – four rows into right at Yankee Stadium. That's just, you know, strictly dimensions and, and science. And I'm a big science guy. You know, uh, good on you for, for your science. Thank you. And Thank you. Good on Cole for getting the contract. But he becomes the highest paid uh, player in the history of professional American sports on an a- av- average annual value. Uh, it was prior prior to that, it was Steven Strasburg who held and, that title for all of 48 hours. And he got – and don't, don't get me wrong, Cole was the better pitcher all year last year. But like Strasburg outdueled him in you know the postseason. I, I'm not. I don't remember if they ever went up actually head to head. But Strasburg was I the World Series MVP. He was mm-hmm. phenomenal throughout the playoffs. His regular season wasn't quite as good, but he was absolutely lights out in the playoffs. He's he's two years older, and Cole's contract just blew him out of the water. I don't. I don't really understand why he's that much higher valued, but. Uh, Good for I him, good for Scott Boris, and it's probably, hey, you saw what he did. Well, this guy's two years younger, and his ERA is a run lower. Yep, and I think if you look at the the two scenarios, one guy goes to the Yankees, who are known for overpaying by a mm-hmm. bit. One guy stays home, maybe takes a little bit of a yeah. – I mean, I know when you're looking at nine figures in the 300-plus range, nothing's a discount, but, uh, you know, that's uh, – or it, it was two forty five. Excuse me. Seven I would, yeah. I would love Still, to see uh, the other offers Strasburg had come in. Obviously, that'll never really come out, but because uh, the Nationals, not I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but no one was uh-huh. really talking about them in the Strasburg sweepstakes. He kind of heard the Angels is really the front runner if they missed out on Cole, and really not many other teams talking about it. And then just kind of out of nowhere, here here come the Nationals striking right back. But um, both teams seem to have got their man for for quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a good day to be Scott Boris because I think his clients have already racked up s- over six hundred million dollars, yeah. Uh, and he's still got Anthony Rendon um, coming up. I, there's a couple more that I'm, I'm missing out, but there are a couple big names. He's going to be over a billion dollars by yeah, the time this off season's over. So it's it's a good it's good good week for Boris Corp. God bless. Uh, and when you look at the market, this was the big year for Boris and for yeah. all free agents. Next year, it's a little lighter. You got some position players coming up for contract, but. Um, the the pitching uh, the arms aren't there for a couple of years uh, at least guys mm-hmm. that are due money so um, this was this was one and two of the biggest shoes to fall that we'll see and it's not necessarily going to reset the market for pitchers these are two guys that are kind of 
albatross is in the game right now the best that there is scott if you're hiring or if you're listening you know i'm i'm available <laughs> if you're looking um, for an unpaid internship uh, i'm willing i'm willing to come aboard uh, yeah just just give me a chance here um <laughs> so i get my, my next question to you is you you were the one talking to the mlb insiders last night like you said jim you had jim bowden on what is the now that I mean the two big dominoes to fall is is Anthony Rendon kind of the next one to go it is. because you know yeah, obviously saying, what's it, the, the Nationals are probably out of that sweepstakes now that they paid Strasburg and they still got a ton of money committed to Scherzer. Uh, he, he's probably the next next one to drop, right? Yeah, the name that he had cl- most closely uh, attached to Rendon was uh, I believe the Dodgers was okay. the direction that he had them leaning. It sounded like there there's not necessarily a deal on the table, but there are advanced talks. Okay. Um, for Rendon and Rendon possibly making a move to first base, really showing. They move Rendon over Turner. Yeah, just showing some flexibility um, and the ability to play both corners, and mm-hmm. uh, he thinks that that's going to even maximize the the number of teams that are coming, the suitors that are coming, and their ability to kind of leverage those people against each other. That was the leverage point for the pitcher. Obviously, is not moving positions. The leverage point was the mystery team that Boris brought in. He said that there were two mystery teams yesterday, and whether that was the White Sox or a, a fallacy. It was definitely um, the Sox. It has to be it the Sox. The Sox are great at being the mystery team. They got a couple extra bucks there for uh, for Cole. But, uh, yeah, he thinks Rendon's going to be a Dodger at some point. And uh, prior to the D- Yankee deal getting done, now you didn't have to be Nestor to see that one, but mm-hmm. uh, he had him, he had him sure thing to the Yankees. So I, I would trust the fact that Rendon might end up a Dodger as well. That's uh that's going to be an interesting one for them because they're a team that's not all the way right at that luxury tax, but they're kind of getting there. Rendon kind of pushes them right there, and they're not shy of of names they're going to have to pay in the upcoming years. But the other name, I guess, from a, a local standpoint, you're obviously the Cubs are, which we'll get to in buy or sell, and in a little bit of a holding pattern for for one reason or another. Um, the Sox have been linked to Bumgarner a little bit, um, and, and some of the other bigger name pitchers still left on the market after losing out on Zach Wheeler. Do, do you think they have a shot at kind of any of those? I saw Bumgarner linked to the Dodgers as well um, yeah. because they kind of missed out on Cole. Is, is that kind of a thing? Is that should, should where, where do we see him going? Because he's probably the next big shoe to drop him and uh, Ryu. Yeah, Bum Bum's probably going to get overpaid somewhere now. He, I right? saw he wants five years and a hundred million as a White Sox fan. Which if he is, wants five years and a hundred million. I know we get on the Sox for not spending whatever. I'm not Go ahead. You take that elsewhere. That's fine. He's had major injuries two of the last three seasons and missed some time last year as well. So he's an aging ace, and I don't think he's going to fetch that type of money. Now, will they convince someone to pay him that? Probably. I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out by any means with the way that checks are getting cut these days. But, um, you know, I don't don't really have a feel on Bob because he is in that weird tweener area where – it's been effective, but not overpowering. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure who's in the market for a strong, strong three. More likely two um, for a little, twenty a week million a year. Yeah. Twenty million a year. That just for five. I mean, I I know he's only Zach Wheeler's. Him and Zach Wheeler are the same age. But you look at the miles on those arms. You look at just quite honestly the stuff. Bumgarner yes. doesn't have the stuff he had two or three years ago. And I know he's playoff tested. And I know if you're a team that gets to the playoffs, he's a guy that you feel comfortable putting on the mound as your second or third. But at the same time, like that's not a guy that's worth that much money over five years, in my opinion. And four, no. if you want to talk, maybe overpay a little bit for four, you can convince me. But five years for him just seems like kind of a, a contract. Two years in, you're going to be like, oh my God, how did we sign this guy to this? We still have him for three more. Completely agree with you, but if anyone thinks highly of Madison Bumgarner, it's Madison Bumgarner. Oh, he so. loves him. From, from what you've told us back, in, yeah. back, back when you were out in the Bay, <laughs> um, Bumgarner loves himself, some Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, um, he was he was not necessarily the the best guy with the media. I wouldn't I wouldn't give him the Barry Bonds label, but uh, um, you know Madison's gonna Madison's gonna Madison, and it's likely gonna get him another nine figure contract. So we shall see how that shakes down. But we know uh, we know our listeners. Also, uh, uh, so we'll get there. Talk a little bit of uh, winter meetings and baseball there. Uh, Golf claps all around for, uh, for I guess guys getting paid gener- generational type of money. So good that was me golf clapping, by the way. I did a golf clap. Should have uh, should have been a pitcher. It's oh, the, uh, the moral of the story here. If I um, ever have a son, Joe, the first thing I'm going to do is just put a baseball in that left hand. Here you go, Matt. We have, Matt. We we have a uh, we have a rare 
a rare grievance sighting here. It's, it's not necessarily with the White Sox, but it's White Sox related. You it's, tell me. It is. It's been a while. I haven't been. I, it, you know, it takes a while for me to get upset. So I'm going to hit the music. You haven't grieved necessarily as much. I have not grieved as much, which is a good thing. I guess. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, my, my grievance today has, is to do with the, the move the White Sox made last night. They, they traded for uh, Nomar Mazar, a 24-year-old. 24-year-old outfielder from Texas. Um, the White Sox have obviously been in the market, made it known they want to get a right fielder and a DH. Nomar Mazar is 24. He has 320 home run seasons and 19 home run season. He's had over 100 RBIs once. He's not the ideal fit in right field. He's not the big money free agent, the Castellanos, the Ozuna, that people wanted the Sox to spend on, which they still can. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they traded a 23-year-old single-A outfielder for a guy who's hit 20 home runs essentially four times all four seasons in his major league career. And the first thing White Sox fans want to do on Twitter is jump down Rick Thon's throat, rip him, call him cheap, say this is a terrible move, why are you doing this? I just don't see it. Um, it's really coming from the same crowd that, you know, when they nutted up and paid Yasmani Grandal the day free agency opened 18 million a year said well I'm not going to give him any credit until the offseason's over and I see what he did and then the first time he makes a trade they don't like well he it's over the Sox stink they'll never pay anybody the offseason's not over they went out they traded for a guy with upside there's still unless you want James McCann to be your every everyday DH next year there's still an outfielder DH role to fill there's still pitchers out there to go to go be had just because Rick Hahn decided to go out and make a trade for a 24-year-old uh, outfielder with uh, with upside. Granted, he hasn't hit it yet in four years with insane power when he's hot. Um, I don't see the angle anger. I know he's technically cheap, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And if this is the only move they make to address the outfield, sure, I, I can be a little bit upset with that. Mm-hmm. Come you know, come spring training. But this is a move that when you look at who the White Sox have trotted out in right field the past two years, Avi Garcia, I know he had one good year. He sucked. Ryan Cordell, um, I'm, I'm blanking on names because they're all so forgettable, Joe. This is a better right fielder by miles than the Sox have had in the past five years. And it's, it's someone who fits into the middle to bottom of the lineup that can give you 20 home runs. I don't know any team in, in Major League Baseball that would be complaining about a seven hitter that hits 20 home runs next year. Um, so I just, I don't get the angry, just to be angry White Sox fans. Just, I, I know it's a history of them not wanting to pay, but they have gone out and paid someone this off season. Just let the off season play out. The same thing you said after Grandall was signed, you didn't want to give him credit. Let's not jump down anyone's throat here. It's a move that is good. It's a positive. It shouldn't be the only move, but it happened. And it's not a bad thing for the White Sox. That's yeah. it. Stop. You can't have your cake and eat it too here, guys. No, you make some great points. You know, they're making moves. They're making positive steps in the right direction. They went out and got a big name early on in free agency. Sorry it's not the ace, um, but Which is, is I'm nine, okay with not paying Garrett Cole $36 million a year. Yeah, is nine years, 36 a year, really um, the, type of, the type of contract that the White Sox want to get into right now? Maybe not, but... Uh, I think that's also indicative of where the franchise is and where they feel that they are. And I think that's why fans feel that way is because they don't, they have more belief and urgency than the front office may have. I think that's where maybe the disconnect is. I'm not totally certain that's the case. I, I know that they, they you, you, there's the philosophy we'll pay guys now and we'll figure it out later, but uh-huh. that's still an insane amount of guy money to commit to a guy for it. The Sox aren't the Yankees. The Sox aren't the Angels. The Sox aren't the Dodgers. There are three teams in baseball, or I mean, you can call Boston, throw Boston up there too, even though they've kind of been out of it. They're they're even looking to shed money. There are three teams that are pretty much capable of throwing out insane money, and, and the Sox just aren't one of them. That's okay. So are like twenty five other major league baseball teams. That's just the facts. And they went out there and they tried to sign Zach Wheeler to a twenty five million dollar year contract. They offered him more money than anybody else. No one wants to give him cre- credit for it. They're just saying, well, you should have paid him more. I don't and, think and I Zach think, Wheeler deserved Garrett Cole money, and that's probably what it would have taken to get him here. And I think, Matt, that uh, I think everything is being looked through that lens right now. Wheeler's, I guess, unwillingness to come to the south side and whatever. He said uh, he wanted to be with family. 
And God bless. That, that, that's, that's his decision. Good for him. I think fans are um, feeling like they, no pun intended, swung and missed uh, on the tail end of this free agency. But like we said, it's only winter meetings. Let free agency play out. See There's months left. <laughs> see what this roster looks like come spring training. And, and you know, like the Angels swung and missed on Garrett Cole. I don't. I'm granted yeah. it's L.A. and you know fans don't care as much out there. But like, I'm not seeing any people up in arms that the Angels, you know, are never going to win anything because they didn't get their top target. There's still people out there to go get. Thirty team or how twenty nine teams are going to miss out on Garrett Cole. Only one's going to get him, and the White Sox like it or not, are never going to be able to spend with the New York Yankees. That's just a thing. No one is ever going to be able to spend with the New York Yankees. Totally I, don't, I, just, I don't get how anybody can see this as a negative move for what it is right now today. If two months from now this is all they do and the only additions they've made are Yasmani Grandal and Nomar Mazara, okay, you can be mad. But this move isolated today is not a bad move. They have a guy who's they traded a 23-year-old single-A outfielder for a 24-year-old with four 20 home run seasons in his major league career. Leave uh, Rick Hahn alone is what Matt's saying. It, with the crying Britney meme. Yeah, leave just leave him alone. Rick Hahn alone. Let him spend let give him give him the time that you know you all wanted to give him after he signed the Grandal contract. No, I, I agree with you, Matt. But uh, we could beat that drum all night. But let's jump over to some football. Let's look at the slate for the football. weekend ahead. Some big games, some uh, playoff, uh, some playoff implications on the line all over the league. Everywhere you look, starting on Thursday night. Not necessarily playoff implications on both sides, but Baltimore with a win over the Jets could punch their ticket to the playoffs, clinching an AFC North title. Um, a couple other scenarios for Baltimore as well. They could clinch a first round by if the proper teams lose on Sunday as well. So when you're looking at New York and Baltimore, uh, what catches your eye other than the fact that Lamar Jackson says he's going to play with a left thigh contusion? I mean, that's kind of it for me is yeah. on a short week, you're your guy. You're, I mean, your, your lottery ticket to a Super Bowl has a, you know, Granted, it's just a contusion, but you know a lot of those things. You know, injuries can pile up, and one minor injury can lead to a bigger one. Uh, I mean, that's that's the storyline to watch for. Is how is he going to be looking out there? Does he have a quick leash if he's if he's you know a little bit banged up, not looking great? I would probably be a little bit more tentative to play him. I know he wants to go out there, and if your guy is is insisting on, he probably have to give him a shot. But they have a pretty reliable backup in RG three who can run that offense, who has run that offense, and I wouldn't have been. I would have probably leaned towards that decision if he if he's banged up. But if he's at practice, run around every day. I, I guess they see it more than we do. Get up. Uh, that's three, an interesting one for me. Get up three scores and let him wear his sunglasses. There you the go. Sunlight. I think that's the, the at goal. night. Love uh, sun, Sunday slate starts at uh, now one Eastern. I'm now an Eastern. Yeah, dude. This, how, how are you feeling about that? We by the way, we've done this podcast from uh, three internal, of the major internal four. Internal clocks all screwed up. Oh well, yeah. That's gonna. I mean, that's gonna be couple weeks still but we, we we've been doing this podcast now from three of the four major u.s time zones yeah so you're welcome. you need to you need to get to the mountain time zone so just like yeah. take a vacation there or something we need uh, to do one yeah we'll, we'll do a denver aspen podcast well, yeah when you guys go to do your aspen trip we'll, we'll do yeah. we'll, we'll do a podcast we'd just be like five minutes but just to say we did it <laughs> with a with the salmon jump like in the Lake Capistrano, What's yeah, you're close enough. I, I, I got the. I'll put the clip in at the end. People Not clicking. Like I said, internals all off. New I'll England play. and Cincinnati. Get out your video cameras. The Patriots uh, traveling to Cincy. Uh, another playoff scenario. If New England wins, they're they they're in. They clinch uh, the division with a win on Sunday against Cincinnati. Uh, why feel the need to videotape the the Bengals? Uh, who knows? But uh, things don't seem to be uh, ramping up as they do at the end of the season for the Patriots in years past. But this could be the perfect get-right win-by-a-million game. You're right. You, you're struggling over there? You, you swallow some coffee down the wrong there pipe? Was a, there was a burp there. There mm, was a there. hiccup. There yeah. was just some morning uh, some, so some just morning reactions. The, dread, the dreaded triple threat. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think this – we'll get to this in, in locks of the week, I think, coming up here. But this is, this is going to be, I think, a motivated Patriots Peace. team. Um I it it does feel a little bit different than it has the last couple of years when people have tried to predict the demise of the Patriots, um, but 
as I have said many times on this podcast, and I think you've followed suit if I'm not mistaken, I will never be the one to predict the demise of the Patriots. I'll happily be late to that party uh, because I think they've earned that right, and I, I, think, they, uh, I think they play pretty well yeah. on Sunday. The only thing that I believe that there's cause for concern is, you know, it's not a Brady downturn. The Brady downturn came last year and the year before. Mm-hmm. Physically, he's he's not what he once was. Um, they found a way to win the Super Bowl, scoring what was it? What did they score? Thirteen points? Yeah, thirteen points to three. They won last year. Thirteen to three. They won. So they're not blowing the doors off anybody, nor are they going to. Especially in the first half of the season, they leaned on that defense. That defense is starting to see some competition now. The Bills, excuse me, the Bengals won't be that type of competition, but. It's going to be a game that I think they win easily. It might make everyone feel good, but I still think that the Patriots are deficient in certain areas, and they're going to have to find ways to win outside of quarterback play. There's no weapons on the offense. In years past, they had some weapons. Um, Edelman looks like he's getting bracketed with two because there's no receivers on the outside. Um, You do have a couple other guys. Nikhil Harry seems to be coming into form here late in the season, but... Can Tom Brady stretch the field still? There's so many question marks around this team. There's similar questions to years past, but they do seem amplified this year for me. I mean, two two things that kind of stuck out with me there is I'm shocked the Muhammad Sanu edition hasn't, hasn't paid really, off more because he was very good in Atlanta. Yeah, and but that seemed like a. I might look good as Julio Jones is number two. Okay. Okay, but you can also say you might look good in a Patriots offense in years past because they've tossed out nobodies at receiver, and not that you were yeah. nobody. I'm not saying that. You're very much as somebody at <laughs> Illinois Wesleyan University. Thank you. Um, but, you, you know, like I, he's a guy who's produced for them. He was pretty good in Cincinnati, too, took off in Atlanta. Granted, like you said, he was playing with pretty good core. I thought he would be a little bit better. That would pay off more. And I, I think something else that's just really hurting them is you, we've seen it here uh, in, in Chicago quite a bit. Granted, it's not the same offensive system. Tight ends really, especially in today's yeah. NFL, kind of make the offense go. And if you don't have weapons at the tight end position, it's a lot easier to game plan for if you don't have to worry about that guy. If you don't have to worry about the middle of the field as much with those guys in it, um, it's going to be a lot easier to cover your weapons on the outside. That's just kind of what they've been doing. They don't have to worry about a, a Gronk or a top-tier tight end. and It's it's really affecting Julian Edelman, Tom Brady uh, a lot more than I think people might have thought. And I think they're a little bit bummed Gronk, Gronk didn't end up coming back. We've uh, already given the Patriots too much time. Let's trudge on here. It's not a Patriots podcast. A matchup in the early slot between Tampa Bay and Detroit. Uh, Both teams mathematically eliminated. I have no thoughts. Yeah, no, I don't. Okay. (laughs) Nothing to be said there. Moving on. Chicago and Green Bay. A Green Bay win punches their ticket, earns them a NFC North championship, and essentially ends any bare opportunity at a playoff berth. Got to win two of three at least and hope for some help or win all three. And I think you still need a little help. But the Bears heading to Lambeau, I believe, four and a half point dogs. What do you like in this one? You know, you you talked about the playoff hopes and the the Seahawks not being able to beat the Rams last night uh, on Sunday was was tough for that. Uh, Because people keep on saying all the Bears need to do is win out and, you know, they'll pass the Vikings. Well, people are forgetting about the Rams. Um, It's just going to come down to kind of what we saw last week, which Mitch shows up, uh, how healthy Akeem Hicks is because that Packers offense, while you know on paper they seem to be putting up a, a lot of points a lot, they're very up and down. They, they're very streaky. Um, mm-hmm. They'll go a lot of spells. They'll, they'll usually start out games looking really good on those scripted plays. And then after that, like the, the Redskins, I think they went down and scored on those first two drives and they ended up with you know one more touchdown the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be whether or not the Bears can weather the storm early on and then how Mitch shows up, how that offense shows up, how the offensive line plays. If the offense shows up like they did last week, I think we're going to see a Bears win. Uh, if they don't, if we see the offensive, you know, the past few weeks, it's it's going to be the Packers, I think, fairly easily. It's going to um, be a But Akeem be a, Hicks, I mean, is kind of – you need that Tim to fill in right away. You need him to yep. be healthy and take Aaron Jones out of the ballgame. I'm hoping for like a Barry Bonds type elbow guard there on Hicks as well. Uh, could be, could be probably going to see something like it. Could be an intimidation factor. Going to be 13 degrees on Sunday. Oh, bear at weather. Lambo. Super excited for this one, regardless of the records. Throw them out. It's Bears. It's Packers. It's playoff implications. Meet the ball with a violent intent, and I'll be a happy man. 
I let's let's hopefully let's let's see the same attitude from the Bears that we saw last week because that was a that was a swagger that was a demeanor that was a team we hadn't seen all season. Completely agree. Uh, a big time matchup between the Texans and the Titans in the early slot. Don't know what Deshaun Jackson and Texans team is going to show up. Watson. Uh, thank you, Deshaun Watson. It's okay. It's okay. Name. Yeah, they're both uh, the pretty Tennessee, generic last names. The Tennessee Titans, on the other hand, leaning on the services of one Ryan Tannehill from a fried fish to a honky-tonk legend. He's been doing his thing uh, in Tennessee. Okay. Can you, you that? come up with that yourself? Thank you. I did, yes. it's uh, good. Fancy myself a bit of an orator. But uh, divisional implications here between uh, the two ball clubs. Winner really takes the upper hand. I, I'm not sure offhand i don't believe that it is a clinching scenario but no doubt it, eight, i think they play each other two times in the last yeah, three weeks two out of the last three weeks yeah. so a, an upper hand in the afc south matt what's what do you got your eyes on first off i would like to credit myself you said the word orator and i did not going to ask you for a joe's word of the week I actually because you know you know what that word means yeah essentially I mean, so you're a good talker person. you're a good talker. word person yeah. yeah um i i first i shocked at ryan Tannehill. i think everybody is you being a, a closet dolphins fan um, are probably shocked at seeing what he's doing here. Uh, I think this team also should go to show how good of a coach Mike Vrabel has, has kind of turned out to be for them uh-huh. in, in their early going. Um, and you touched it with on the Texans. Like, I don't know what to expect from one week. They're the, looking like the best team in the league, not only beating the Patriots, but kind of dominating them. Uh, and then the next they lay an absolute egg at home against the Broncos. So it's just kind of which team's going to show up. And I think you're going to see the good ones this week. Um, because I think for the most part, with the exception of that Ravens game where they got absolutely shelled in Baltimore, uh, that, that good team has showed up in bigger moments. Um, but given their history, given their past, I guess, I mean, under Bill O'Brien, they've really struggled to win the big game. So I'm, I'm very interested to see this one. Just a matter of Ryan Tannehill taking care of the ball, and if the, if the Titans can get Derrick Henry going, I mean, any team get their run game going, that's the X factor. But for them especially, if Derrick Henry goes, that offense goes. Yeah, a true home run hitter in Henry. He's one of those guys that I always think of Brandon Jacobs, where he's just like too tall, too strong. Everybody hates hitting him. There's like mm-hmm. he finishes runs. And he's fast. It's, it's he's fast, and I don't know why it seemed like a crescendo, and it always does. Like he's not what he is weeks one through three, and then mm-hmm. like oh Henry broke a big one, and that happens weeks four through seven, and then you get to the tail end of the season, and he's literally running people over regularly breaking 77-yard touchdowns. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the Texans are, as you said, with coaching being a large part of it, are peaking at the right moment, going to be a great ball game between these two teams. And I don't think they get the just due because they're kind of in a a NFL wasteland there in Nashville. It doesn't really get the national uh, spotlight that it maybe deserves. But here's your spotlight on Sunday against the Texans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We move move forward to the Broncos and the Chiefs. A big one here. The Chiefs coming off a – feel-good win against those aforementioned Patriots. Um, I think it's going to be easy work of the Broncos as the Broncos fade away again, mathematically eliminated. I'm in, I don't, I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I don't think that nine and a half is necessarily a, a lot. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs defense is, it's been better the last few weeks, but it's, it's had its holes throughout the year. And if there's one thing Denver likes to do, it's run the football and they've been able to most of the year. Um, and Drew Locke seems to have that offense playing a with, a, with a new confidence. Not that's a, a sneaky better team, and the, the, the Chiefs coming off the you know their best win of the year probably, uh, looking really really good. That division is essentially all but locked up, and they're probably not. I mean, they're not going to catch Baltimore really. Um, mm-hmm. So th- there's not a ton left to play for because they're going to have that home playoff game in the first round. That's a spot for me where the Broncos might keep it close and then the Chiefs end up pulling away maybe towards the end of winning it. But that should be a fun one to watch. It's, it's really Drew Locke's, I, I don't want to say first big test because he went into Houston and won by a lot, but that was also, that was bad Houston and Houston probably slept on him a little and bit. And that was zero pressure to win a yeah, ball game. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're not, not that there's that much pressure to win a ball game, but it's a division rivalry game. And, and whether your team's four and eight, Eight and four, one and eleven, eleven and one. There's always a little bit more pressure on the road in the division, you know, against a rival. Uh, let's boat race a couple of these. We got the Dolphins and the Giants. Good for you guys. The Sprinkle Eagles your Dolphins money line, Joe. <laughs> Love it. Love the play. Three and a half is the line there. Eagles and the Redskins. Another yuck game. Sure, that's going to happen. The Eagles uh, keeping their slim playoff hopes alive in the hot potato game that is the NFC East. 
Um, I, I think they make easy work of the Redskins, but the Eagles are so beat right now. No receivers. I don't um, think they make easy work of the Redskins. You don't think so? No. I think it's. I think four and that half, one's closer. Four and a half point road favorites. Uh, as I was saying, just zero depth right now. Alshon Jeffrey out for the season. Non-contact foot injury. What else don't is new? Don't know if Aguilar's going to go. Don't know if anybody's going to be ready to go. Apparently, Josh McCown was one injury away from lining up at wide receiver. Oh, please let me see that. I would pay pay good money (laughs) to see that. That So that's what we're rooting for on Sunday, I guess. Never root for injuries, but always root for Josh McCown. Seahawks and Panthers rounding out the early slate. Uh, As you said, going to need some magic. Uh, Doesn't matter who the Seahawks are playing. Bears are going to need a Seahawks loss. Coming down the stretch here, they do get the 49ers at home to finish out the season. That might be the best chance of it. Uh, I think you're going to get a angry Seahawks team after the way that they performed on Sunday night. Yeah, that's a get-right game for Seattle. Uh, I, I think if I don't, if I didn't already have a lock, which we'll again get to, uh, I think that would be somewhat close to it. I don't. I think the Panthers are kind of done on the year, and I think the Seahawks are going to get looked, right in that one. Panthers looked a bit hapless in their first week without Ron Rivera last yeah. week. I think you see. A little bit more of that, if not uh, amplified. Jaguars and Raiders. The Raiders slide to the left. We're looking like playoff uh, hopefuls now sitting at 6-7, and seven, find themselves in that in-the-hunt graphic, not even necessarily in a uh, wild-card spot. They're going to need a win at home against the Jags, and I really think that this is a team that needs to respond for the fan base. Let's get cheesy about it. You only got so many more shots in the Coliseum. Go out there, win a couple ball games. I'm going to ask you to never reference the cha-cha slide on this podcast again. Yeah, sorry, that was, uh, that was an accidental cha-cha slide. I, 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 I am with you. This is, the Jaguars have essentially quit on the year. They've quit on their coach. It's, it seems like yeah. that team is completely checked out, and the Raiders are still a, a young team with you know maybe not something to play for this year, but something to build towards, and they got a pretty uh-huh. good head coach, pretty good motivator. Only, like you said, a couple more games in the Coliseum. I think that's one that they uh, they get right on after struggling the last few weeks. Josh Jacobs still questionable with some fractures in a shoulder um, hairline. That sounds so painful. He's, he's been playing with it all season. Sat last week. He's questionable heading into this week. Uh, Look at Joe still keeping the ties Derek to the Washington. Bay Area. That's why you're little, the best in the business. little waiver wire pickup there behind uh, Josh Jacobs. Went okay. off for, I believe, 14. Uh, I filled them in late slot. Could do the same next week. Browns and Cardinals. Again, gross. Three and nine versus six and seven. It's the Lincoln Riley Bowl, Joe. Kyler Murray versus Baker Mayfield. A couple, couple Heisman Award winners out of Oklahoma. Uh, sign me up. You got the uh, the Browns playing for a lot more than what's on field. There's just so much emotionally going on in that locker room between uh, Baker Mayfield saying the things that he does every week. Um, looking looking a little thick these days too. Not going to put him on blast, but I think thick that there's two C's. A, I think that there's a lack of focus uh, right now, as as was the early knock on Baker Mayfield. You got Odell Beckham telling players, "Come get me once again." So just a lot of dissent. I, I don't know. Maybe a, a Cardinals loss is is the straw that breaks the camel's back for a a Freddie Kitchens firing. So I think that's I think, what happens too. I think I'm a take lot. Kyler. To, I think a lot to watch but nothing really interesting on the field. Yeah, no, I'll take Kyler and the Cardinals. I don't know. It's it's another – I'm more interested in see, watching how he develops because I think from what we've talked about, he's such an interesting case and you don't really know. He, he can kind of go one of two ways. He's kind of had some moments this year that he's been trending upwards, has some where he's more falling stagnant. That's another good test for him at home against, you know, his his predecessor at Oklahoma. So I think that'll be – and that's really the only storyline for me to watch other than the Browns' just complete implosion. Vikes and Chargers, uh, Vikings nine and four on the season, trying to, you know, cement themselves into one of those wild card spots. But all of our sharps at HQ have the Chargers pulling an upset this weekend, thinking, uh, looking, looking for a little let up on an east to west for the Vikings. Yeah, that's a that's a sleepy spot for the Vikings having to travel all the way out there after you know a pretty sleepy win over the Lions. Um, that would be nice. I would definitely enjoy seeing the Chargers beat the Vikings. I'll leave it at that. Rams and Cowboys, uh, anytime a team with a winning record goes into Jerry's world, I give them the edge. Also, uh, Sean McVay seems to have hit the offense with a defibrillator uh, against uh, the Seahawks and uh, a couple weeks prior. So looks like the Rams are kind of coming into form maybe at the right time, trying to sneak in. Uh, their path is tough as well, even though they 
uh, sport that 8-5 and five record. They'll have their eyes on that Vikings game as well. But Cowboys have done nothing to instill any confidence. I think that it's going to be another 3-4 loss week for the NFC East. Uh, and sub-500 might get in, unfortunately. But uh, I like the Rams heavy in this one. Yeah, I hope the Cowboys win. But Ram- it, Grant, Rams are minus one on the road at Dallas. This is essentially the same exact line is the Seahawks game that I just took last week and then the Rams yep. at home figured out I'm wondering why this is only one um, I think, but I, I tend to believe you I think the Rams seem to get right and the Cowboys are in a free fall I think Vegas is uh, figuring in or factoring in a big uh, Jared Goff on the road has never been fair enough good. can I ask you a Cowboys question because it seems Always. like it seems like Jason Garrett provided some miracle Super Bowl run is is gone mm-hmm. um, there's the there's the Urban Meyer rumor floating out there yeah, I want to. What do you, what do you what do you think of that? Because USC was always the rumored spot, and then they came out and said, you know, well, we like Clay Helton. We're we're gonna we're gonna re, uh, retain him. And uh, I think I he, think Urban Meyer said on Cowherd, if the Cowboys call, you have to listen. I think it's just that. I think it's a rumor. Okay. Um, I, I believe that Ron Rivera will be the coach of the Cowboys next year. I think that that fit makes a ton more sense. Um, That's not you know, a Jerry hire, though. He's, he's a defensive guy, totally not a Jerry hire, and he'd have to rework the entire coaching staff, which often is the case when you're bringing a new head guy anyway. But I think that if they're using their heads and not going for the splashy hire, Ron Rivera is the guy who's going to take the, the Cowboys to the next level. Which exactly is which is exactly, why, exactly I why I think Urban Meyer will be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Fair enough. Falcons and Niners, uh, big one here for the Niners coming off a – uh, beautiful, beautiful win if you like offensive football against the Saints, taking a stranglehold on the one spot in the NFC. Can't slip up with a semi-hot Falcons team coming in. Uh, I don't know what they've done uh, over their last four. Let's see the Falcons. They've looked a lot better. Yeah, uh, they, they beat, beat the Panthers. Panthers. Two losses in between there, beat the Saints, beat the Panthers again. So some divisional wins there, played some good football. Uh, always the propensity to to chunk up yardage when you got Matt Ryan running the offense, but 49ers are just too deep. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. Yeah, uh, it's it's also the, the Kyle Shanahan revenge game. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, after, I don't really – you kind of hit all the preview on this game. The, the 49ers should run the table. Uh, the Falcons aren't all that good and have struggled against pretty good teams. Um, I'm kind of upset with myself, though, going retroactively back to our locks of the week last week. Hey, don't, go, go, don't be too hard on yourself. When we, when we picked them, they were three-point favorites, and I didn't know that they were uh, like uh, inducting Roddy White into the Falcons Hall of Fame. And Big if miss. I would have known that, I would have— we, I, I told you, I'm in like circle a circle of honor. I'm in a it's whatever a circle of honor. I'm in a I'm in a pick'em pool with a friend, a friend of both of us at at, at, uh, at NBC Sports Chicago, Ryan McGuffey, and that we were mm-hmm. looking at some lines. He's like, "Hey, like the Falcons are honoring Roddy White." And he's like, "Hey, that's one of our picks. Do it right now, Falcons minus three at the home against the Panthers." I'm very upset with myself for not picking that. That's the type of inside info that only Guff has. So, yeah, he's got uh, it. Good, good on him. We move on. Bills and Steelers. Uh, Bills not quite cementing their seat in the playoffs just yet. A win would do that. Um, Bills traveling to the Steelers. Steelers who have really flipped this thing on its head after starting the season off, I believe, 1-5. Uh, Tomlin has rallied the troops with a number of different quarterbacks mm-hmm. this week. This weekend it's going to be um, – why am I blanking on his name? Devlin, you have? Devlin Hodges. There you go, Devlin Hodges, You know everybody's favorite. So uh, going to be, I think, a tough watch here. Going to be a lot of running the football, and I give the Bills the edge in this one. Uh, two point favorites on the road. Yeah, I'm. I know it's you know, usually the home team. If it's toss up, gets the uh, the the you know green light at home from Vegas. Usually, is being the favorite. I just I don't really see it right now. I think Buffalo is playing a lot better football. Um, Granted, Pittsburgh's been finding ways to win football games, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, you're looking at a touch, a six point win against the Cardinals, a touchdown win over uh, the Browns, a touchdown win over the Bengals. They're not necessarily setting the world on fire. Buffalo just went toe to toe with the best team in the NFL in Baltimore, so I, I'm with you. I kind of lean their direction. My world's way. on fire. How about yours? There's a Smash Mouth reference for you too. Cha Cha Slide and Smash Mouth in the same segment. You're welcome. That's your Sunday night slate. Your Monday night game is. That's the how Saints. you know Joe's tired, everybody. Your Monday night, <laughs> Monday nighter is the Saints and the Colts. The Saints have already locked up the division, but they want to keep pace there for uh, home field advantage and buys. The Colts seems like a last gasp. Uh, Big, big favorites, nine and a half, the Saints in this one. Yeah, I like the Saints. The Colts kind of seem dead to me. Uh, they they kind of gave their push. 
they they've been struggling the last few weeks, and they're just they're not the same team they were early on. Speaking of struggling the last few weeks, Matt, you and I uh, oh, on boy. a bit of a slide here after nice, getting a nice segue. That was really good. Getting, yeah, I just had to cut you off there. After getting above five hundred, we both take a two game slide. We both sit at seven and eight on the season. Not terrible, not great, but let's pick a couple winners here. I'm changing mine, Matt. I got a feel. Oh boy. As we were going through those games, oh I was going to go Bills on the road, but uh, give me the Rams on the road. I think that I think put, a fork, you to that. put a fork in the Cowboys. I love that uh, that one-point line. I think the Rams go in there, win it by uh, maybe just shy of a touchdown, maybe maybe a six-point, four-point win there. But I like the Rams on the road. Uh, like, I said to you, like I said to you when we are talking about it, I like that pick. Uh, I also teased my lock as the New England Patriots, minus nine at the Bengals. I know it's a road game. I know it's a, a big number against, you know, granted they're a bad team, but the Patriots have been sliding the last couple weeks. This is a get-right game for them. They finally have a little bit of motivation here after they can find that us-against-the-world mentality after being quote-unquote screwed by the officials against the Chiefs after this whole videotaping thing coming out, whether they did it or not. They're mm-hmm. going to have that us-against-the-world mentality. No one rallies the boys quite like Bill Belichick when, when, when their backs are up against the wall. So I think you see the Patriots come out and, and win this game by a lot. Um, they've struggled against good teams this year, but when they've played the bad teams, they've blown them out pretty good. I think we saw that early on. So give me the pats. Love it. Matt, let's jump in a little by or sell. What do you say? Yeah, you want me to start? You start. How do you want to do this? Uh, I'll start. You I'll start. start. Okay, you start. All right, Matt. Uh, I'm sure everyone by now has heard the story. Le'Veon Bell did not play with the flu on Sunday, but was seen that night throwing stones, bowling. Um, he must have gotten over the flu quickly here, Matt. Buy or sell the Le'Veon Bell bowling, and then a bonus buy or sell, buy, buy or sell bowling. First off, you're, you get a little morning whatever it is over there again there. What, what are we going to do? We can end the podcast. Just gotta call, I, I just to answer the question. I don't think the people would like, hey, don't get mad at me. It's not my I'm fault. Squeak. Quit coming at my flatulence. Okay? I'm not coming. It's okay. I'm just saying. I'm commenting. You comment on me all the time. Guy needs his morning coffee. Didn't get my morning coffee. Oh, you you haven't had your coffee yet? Why not? We're in flux, man. I'm living out of a hotel right now. Yeah, but they got the hotel coffee. What am I going to do? Go down? No, they, they, don't, they don't give you coffee. the little... What, the Marriott? Take my time after the podcast. Go get some nice coffee. Yeah, right? but the Marriott doesn't flushes. give you quite a little, like, just a little cup for the room? Still a little pick-me-up? Okay, I'll get off, I'll get off that. Um, I will... I. I mean, it's not a good look, so I, I guess I sell him going bowling. I don't think it's like a huge deal because bowling is quite different than, um, you know, playing an NFL football game. Bold I'm Saturday not sure night. If, I'm not sure Pardon if he me, was bold Saturday night. Oh, and then didn't play Sunday. Too sick to play. Too sick to play Sunday. Okay, well, that's like uh, then I don't. I think it's kind of making something out of nothing here. I, I'm not saying he was or wasn't healthy Saturday or Sunday, but. You know, have you ever gone to bed feeling okay, Joe, and then woke up the next morning not feeling well? Because I've, I've definitely had that before. Especially after being in a bowling alley? Yes, yeah, it happens. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the weird smells, the weird fumes, you got the shoes, it's a whole thing. Cigarette smoke um, and public ball. Yeah, I mean, unless he was like, you know, seen, you know, chugging beer and all that and getting super drunk at this thing. No, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Maybe he was just sick. It happens. He said, I quote, I don't feel bad about what I did. I didn't break any rules. I wasn't a distraction until now. He later joked he bowled a career-high 251 coming off the flu. That's the flu game. Michael Jordan flu game right there. What's better? So wait, wait, wait. He had the flu all week, was feeling better, bowled on Saturday, and then didn't play on Sunday. You know what he did? still coming off the flu. You know what happened? He probably tested the stomach a little bit too early Saturday night. You know, when you're you're coming off the flu, you think like, you know what? I can get off the, you know, the, the, the peanut butter and toast here, the, the, the banana, whatever I can try. I can try and push myself a little bit further here. Maybe try some dairy, some cheese. He probably tried that. Didn't work out. Can't say Sunday. Been there. So you, it's a big case of the bubble guts. You're welcome. We we found it. We found it. Yep. Uh, okay, and then bonus buy or sell, buy or sell bowling. Uh, I'll I think, be fine I think with we've, it. I don't. I think bowl we've very done often. it. I think we've done that. I think we've done that on the pod before. I vehemently it's, against the sport, a a bowling alley, everything about it. I'm, always give, I, it's fine. Always give I, the heebie-jeebies. I'm not against it. I don't do it very often. But like, if someone says, "Hey, you want to go bowling?" and I'm not doing anything, sure, I'll go bowling. I'm not very okay. good. We bowling. Um, hit me. Uh, okay, we're going to go back to baseball here. We do not ignore the Cubs on this podcast, even though we're, we're both White Sox fans. We try fans. to, but we can't. We try, but they're just there. And we, you know, we're, we're honorable people, if, right. if anything. Um, 
Chris Bryant rumors are circling uh, it, it as loud as they've ever been about the, uh, the Cubs shopping, especially with uh, him not really looking to sign a contract extension mm-hmm. as much as Scott Boris might be saying he is. The Cubs are apparently poor now thanks to spending over a billion dollars on their renovation. Um, buy or sell, Chris Bryant, we, we've asked this before, by the way, I know, but we're kind of updating here with the odds as, as we get closer to, to spring training next year. Buy or sell, Chris Bryant is a Cub. Uh, when the teams report spring training, um, I I totally buy it because I think it's just such a hard contract to move right now. Um, I I think that it's going to be really difficult to find a suitor that can make it work, and I think that's a good thing. I think everyone needs to slow down. I think that Chris Bryant needs to be a Chicago Cub, and I think that the you get rid of Chris Bryant and it's a fire sale at that point. It's a complete it's a complete I don't want to say rebuild, but it's a complete turnaround from years past. Leave Chris Bryant alone. Keep him a Cub. I understand the, the financials might leave not Brittany alone. Leave Brittany alone. Second reference. Um, I believe that you know it's a the financial situation is a little bit hairy for the Cubs right now. But cut the check. This is a situation you you made this bed. Go sleep in it. I am just to play devil's advocate. I'm I'm honestly straight up fifty fifty here. Um, I, I really have no idea what's going to go on. What's a smokescreen? Who they're actually trying to move? If this is just all of this, whatever. I'll play devil's advocate. I'll sell it. I'll say Rendon's going to sign somewhere. Donaldson's going to sign somewhere. And you're going to have four or five teams in the third base market that are desperately looking for a third baseman. And you could probably, I mean, if there's Theo Epstein is a, is a very good general manager. He's a very good dealer. He can probably get people to, you know, create a bidding war amongst some teams and maybe get some teams to overpay. If you're going to be paying Javi Baez, and Grant, I don't think there's a reason to trade both Bryant and Contreras. But if you think you can keep Contreras, who's controllable for longer, you don't have to pay for longer, you're going to be paying Baez this year. Uh, Chris Bryant, who's had those injury issues, if you can get teams looking for a third baseman to create a bidding war and overpay for Chris Bryant, I don't necessarily think you have to blow it up. Um, I, I think that is something that you can grab some pieces, obviously, uh, via trade for him. Use maybe a little bit of extra money that you might have spent long-term on him for some shorter-term solutions and spread them around a little bit because the Cubs have more than just one need. Um, I think that one makes more sense than trading Wilson Contreras. Pay That's everybody. Pay they, well, they can't because uh, Tom, Rickett said Tom Rickett said they're poor. <laughs> they're not poor. Which, by the way, if, if, they spent, cost $15. if they spent over $500 million more dollars on their renovations than they budgeted for, that that Crane Kenny should probably be fired, right? Like that's yeah, a, that, like hey, like Crane, we said five hundred mil. You spent one point one bill. Like that's no, you can't cost do that. A, cost a lot of money to put a Starbucks in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. apparently, yeah. That's uh, we needed a, a you know a hotel that charges six hundred dollars a night for a room in the summer. Hey, relax, relax. I'm okay with that. Uh, big story coming out of uh, love big stories sports. Uh, the Olympics and the IOC imposing sanctions once again on the Russian athletes saying that they will only be allowed to participate in the upcoming Summer Olympics as, uh, I don't know what the, the proper term here, but neutral uh, participants. In the Winter course. Olympics, they were called the Olympic athletes from Russia. I don't even think they're getting that. They need, they're neutral participants this summer or they are not allowed to participate in the games. This is a reaction to the continued state-sponsored doping program in Russia. They're pretty much saying, hey, stop cheating so much, okay? Everybody's cheating a little bit, but you guys are sponsoring it by the government. Stop Yeah, that. you can't do that. Um, I think we both buy the sanctions, but uh, buy or sell, Matt, participating. Let's say you're a world-class um, shot putter. Buy or sell, participating as a world-class shot putter, as a neutral athlete. Of course I'm going to do it. But yeah, you want to represent your country, and well, it might not officially go down as you won a gold medal for Russia. Everyone's going to know who you like, where you're from, and that you won a gold medal. Of course, I'm going to go do it. And I don't think anything changes until they just say, you know what, you guys just aren't allowed to come. Like that, that that's just it. Like they're they yes, they're going to the Russians more than it seems like anybody really. Um, like when it comes around to the Olympics, they are as proud of you know where they're from, you know, playing for their home. I know you hear when the NHL didn't go to the Olympics last time, the, the Russian hockey players like Alex Ovechkin, some were considering boycotting the NHL season for those two and a half mm-hmm. weeks. Like they're that into it. That said, like I, I, 
they're still going to go and they're still going to represent maybe figuratively their country, even though they can't be officially allowed to. Nothing's going to change. They're still going to go. They're still going to perform pretty well. Uh, nothing changes until you just ban them for, you know, four years. In my yeah, opinion. I, I don't know. I think that any other country, maybe not any other country, but, uh, most I other hope there's countries. no Russians listening to this podcast. It's a, a little bit more cut and dry, and I'd agreed with you, but uh, I think you got to bounce this one off old Putin before you make a, a personal decision, uh, just for for your own well being. Yes, that's <laughs> well, that's probably fair. it's probably the safest approach. Uh, be like, hey, you mind if I mind if I go neutral? Really, just I'll go out there and rep for us. I'll wear a wristband or something. I'll get myself in trouble, but uh, yeah, I don't want to do anything that uh, that the the fearless leader isn't on board with. So yeah, I mean, essentially everything is kind of his call, isn't it? But you, you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> We're getting into the weeds here. So uh, if anyone is listening uh, overseas, sorry, blanket, blanket, sorry, right there. All Let's, right. Uh, looking you for sh- sponsors. You, Still you, looking for sponsors. Yeah. You and I should hold off on the, uh, the trip to Moscow we had planned. Um, yeah, we can't, we can't wait for anymore. that. We'll, one. Yeah. We'll wait, we'll wait a couple of years. Uh, let things Push calm it. down. <laughs> um, um my Matt, turn you got now. another one? My turn. Yeah. Let's go to uh let's go to the, the college football ranks here. Um Heisman finalists were announced. We got Joe Burrow, who is by all indications going to win and it should. Josh Fe- uh Josh Fields, yeah, Josh Fields. Mm-hmm. Um Chase Young Chase and Young. Jalen Hurts. Think there's a notable snub there. Uh we talked about early on in the year. Uh Jonathan Taylor had an unbelievable season with Wisconsin, and I'm sorry I should have been a better podcast host and pulled up his stats, but I don't have them in front of me. Granted, I know it was a, ph- a phenomenal uh season and kind of as that offense went, or as, as he went that offense went throughout the year. Um so I'm gonna ask you, buy or sell, uh Jonathan Taylor deserved to be in New York for the Heisman. One hundred percent buy it. Um, he deserved to be there, and I'm not just saying this because he was my preseason pick for the Heisman. I know it's kind of stupid to pick a running back to win the Heisman because it just doesn't happen that much anymore, but does he deserve to have a seat in New York? 100%. The statistics, you can run through it all. I mean, he's a legendary ball carrier, not only for Wisconsin, but across the nation. There just isn't an air of self-promotion or even university. It's been years. Wisconsin. They have not done what they've done in years past. They have not pulled their big upset. They've not um, maybe been in the national spotlight, and that team failure has really uh, cast a shadow over Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. It's a shame because of what he's accomplished over his time at Wisconsin. He's going to be an amazing ball carrier at the next level. Hopefully this puts a chip on this young man's shoulder and we see him dominate the way we've seen some other young backs dominate in the coming years in the NFL. It stinks that he's not going to be there on Saturday night because few guys deserve it more than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I've, been a big, I've been a big proponent of you know get a defensive guy out there, invite people. Some years, two people deserve to be there in New York. Some years, six guys deserve to be there. I think they came up one or two short this year, mm-hmm. no doubt. Um, I, I'm... I just pulled up his stats, by the way. I, I'm totally with you on everything you said. He has 299 attempts for 1,900 yards, 21 touchdowns, average 6.4 yards a carry. And I, I'm also of the big proponent of kind of the career achievement, like Heisman totally. nomination, whatever. This is that Those numbers I just read to you were unbelievable. Like, they're fantastic. They are statistically his worst. It's his worst season, yards-wise. He is his lowest yard total. Granted, he had more touchdowns by five than any other. But like this is these numbers aren't as good as he's done in the past. He, they're still amazing numbers. And I know Chase Young had an awesome season. I know Chase Young is going to be great at the next level. Um, he is the best player. He's going to be number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, might be the oh, most yeah. talented player in the country. I think so. You think uh, number one? I it, it might. Depend, I think it depends. I think depend it depends on who, on who is it, number but one. But I think he's. I think he's probably going to go number one. That's just. I me. think he goes two to Joe, the Giants. Joe Burrow's got a chance to uh, to, to I think jump him. Uh, but I, I think, think the, right now he's your leader in the clubhouse. I think the B. I, I think we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg in the Joe Burrow PR push that's going to be this. That's a, you know that's a fair point. That's a fair he's point. got the name recognition. Um, if since he's at one. I just think that it, it makes sense. Burrow goes there. They're they're forever. They're perpetually looking for a quarterback. I think Young goes two to the New York Giants. But, that's uh, that, that's, that's, said, that's it, for a future pod. Yeah, that said, if you're looking for the Heisman, supposed to be the best player in the country, the you know mm-hmm. MVP of the season for the most part. Oh, not to, Chase Young had a fantastic year, but if you watched the Wisconsin game the other night, like they found ways to get Chase Young out of the yeah. ball game, you know, limit him. 
and Ohio State's defense, with the exception of the first two possessions of the game, was still dominant. Jonathan Taylor, if you take him out of that offense, which teams had game plan to do before, the Illinois game is the one that jumps out to me. They pretty much dared Jack Cohn to beat them, couldn't do it. Um, the Ohio, um, essentially, Ohio State did in the second half of, of the Big Ten championship game, too. That offense was nothing. He was their offense. He The offense went as he went. You can't say the same about Chase Young. And I, I would have liked to see Jonathan Taylor there over Chase Young. Not that Chase Young isn't deserving. I think, like you said, this is a year that probably deserves five guys to be there. Um, but I think it's a I, I think it's a snub, no doubt, and they, they missed it on this one. I think he absolutely deserved to be in New York. 100% agree. Uh, Matt, as always, we are a golf pod, so I'd be remiss Ooh, if I didn't make a mention. Pod. President's Cup coming your way Thursday. USA, USA. That's all I got. Um, oh, wait, can I, I, I? You're a Hawk Harrelson guy, right? Uh huh. He's uh he's. I think it's a, today is the announcement for the uh, the Ford Frick Award winners, which okay. are the uh, the basically the announcers wing of the the Baseball Hall of Fame. Whether you Frick, love, yeah. whether, whether there you oh that's good. That's about <laughs> you've you've had a lot of you know. Granted, the two that's song ones. ones weren't great. That was your best one today. <laughs> Thank you. Um, whether you're whether you love Hawk or hate him, the, the guy deserves to be a Hall of Famer because he's made people have that much of an opinion on them left yes. that much of an impact you can put on, yeah. maybe i'll finish this podcast with some of hawk's best calls um let's get not that we you know have any say in it but let's get hawk to the hall of fame how about it i'm with it yeah um, let's do it. i'd support that i know uh he's polarizing but that's what a great broadcaster is yeah well he, he everyone has an opinion on him no one's like yeah. okay he's hawk you either love him or you hate him yeah uh, a classic, uh, a man of his own, and uh, I hope you do pipe in some of that, some of those calls here because I still get a little teary eyed. Mark Burley, I think my favorite. I think my favorite Hawk Harrelson call. Was, yeah, give me your. What's your favorite? Oh well, it, it was pretty. Well, this is one of them, I should say, because I don't think I can pick one. Um, they were playing the Indians. I think it was like a two-two game in the bottom of the ninth on the road in Cleveland. Someone hit a walk-off homer for Cleveland, and he he said that ball hit deep. And then didn't talk for forty five seconds, and then Nothing just said, after that. "We'll be back." It was <laughs> I don't know what is a it great. It was one. electric, and the, I was mad the, because the Sox lost, but it was an electric call. On the flip side of that coin, the voice crack uh, following the, I believe it was the Canerco home run. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, the screaming yes uh, might be my favorite. And then do uh, the Dwayne Wise call when he made that catch, and then Dwayne, Steve, fantastic. Steve Stone tries to start breaking it down, and Hawk just completely jumps over him, interrupts him, and starts yelling more about how great of a catch it was. I don't remember what it was exactly, but the burly between the legs flip to first mm-hmm. base was also a good one. There was also uh, so I've listened to as you can Mark tell, Burley I, no hitter. Of course, that's I mean that's the that's the goat right that's there. A layup. I did. Uh, there was a uh, it was like a, a, a compilation of bad hawk calls, like you know, angry hawk, and there was one against <laughs> the Mets where they were up like four to three in the bottom of the eighth, and there was an infield pop up in between like four guys. And Gordon Beckham tripped over whoever was playing third base at the time for the Sox, and Hawk just went off. He's like, how it was another defensive miscue, and how this team stinks, and like the Mets tied the game, and then ended up winning in extras. It and, was and awesome. That's, and that's that. That's what sums up the greatness of Hawk Harrison in the good moments, in the terrible moments when the team was great, when the team was awful. Pure, unadulterated entertainment, and that's why we love Hawk. Bonus buy or sell. Give me Hawk a- Harrelson has called his last game for the Chicago White Sox. Sell. There's going to be some There's sort of bring them back. I totally Hawk Harrelson day. They're going to do it at least three more times. There's going to be a Benetti be until gonna, it's over. There's going to be a, a Benetti broadcast, you know, a Benetti day where he's got to be doing college basketball or college football combined with Steve Stone's, you know, couple built-in series off that he doesn't want to go to. And they're going to reunite Hawk and Wimpy for like two or three broadcasts. I'm here for it. And that's not inside information because I work for the network. That is nothing. <laughs> I will pitch the idea to them. I love it. Um, and if they, I swear to God, if they take it, I better get some sort of compensation. I think that is a fitting way to end the podcast. A little bit of Hawk Harrelson love. Matt, yes. got anything else for the people? I don't. All right. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. See you guys next week. We got it big. That ball hit deep. That ball way back. Stretch. Stretch. He jumps and makes the catch. No. To the count. That ball hit high and deep. Way back. Way back. And he's not quite out of here. God damn it. Mercy. Pops him up. Gillespie. And now Beckham. And we find another way. Yet another way 
That's hard to believe. Oh, you've got to be bleeping. You have got to be it. This Lord have mercy. You gotta be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Can't get him. He's oh no! No! He was safe at No! No! And another blown call by Hernandez. What you know? I'll tell you, the last couple of years, Mr. West has had some problems with the White Sox. Well, I'm... And now he's telling Ozzie to get... You know, he's, he, he knew that he was going to throw he's, he's a joke. He's up. becoming a joke is what he's doing. He's becoming a joke to the umpiring profession. I'll tell you what, Mark Burley... Mark Burley is one of... Joe West just wanted to stick it right up his behind, and he did. That ball hit deep! Way back, Maxwell at the wall jumps. What is it? You can put it in the hole, safe. You can put it on the board or what? Anyway, he's coming around. You can put it on the board, yes! When we find out. I'm going downstairs, you take over, okay? I just saw him. I didn't see him for maybe 15, 20 seconds. Hermie got him in there going. It appears his teeth went through his lip. Next pack, the Seaman, the Mariners. Look at the play by Burley. Mercy! Wow! From the Gold Glove winner. Look at this. That's as good as I have ever seen right there. That ball hit deep. Way back. Wells at the ball, looks up, you can put it on the board! Yes! Who wants the bunt? Juan Pierre, his first homer, and it's a 6-4 Sox lead. Call your sons, call your daughters, call your friends, call your neighbors. Mark Burley has a perfect game going to the ninth. That ball hit deep in the left center field. Wise back, back. What a play! Wise makes the catch. What a play by Wise! Mercy! A great catch by Dwayne Wise. Under the circumstances, one of the greatest catches I have ever seen in 50 years in this game. He gone. One to go. Alexei. Yes! 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 History! The ball hit high and deep stretch. Gardner back at the ball. Looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes! Yes! A two-run bomb off the bat of Paul Canerco, our captain. And the Sox lead it 3-2. to two. Marcy! May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>